Hey, I have a question for you. All right. Can you think of a time when maybe like you did wrong by someone and you had to apologize to them? Just like what comes to your mind first? Oh, yeah. Well, actually, just something today. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's to you. You and I, we co-teach a class and I accidentally sent out the wrong Oh, material this is amazing. To like 500 students. So, okay. But we should explain. The thing was, uh, it was it was a thing for a class. And, I know. And, we, we and did, I felt so we did an bad element, Oh, this is, it. I did not know you were going to say that. Now, I did yeah. not ask for that reason. I, were, yeah, I, I no, did ask. I still do. I did ask that question it. with an ulterior motive. But okay. basically, we, we did an element for the class in which part of it got cut off. And Leah wanted to send this thing that was going to say, Hey, hey, look th- at this link. Look at this link. That yeah, This yeah. is Brian's actual view, which he told me to pass along. And the <laughs> link she put was like of a Twitter controversy that had that wasn't my view. I know. <laughs> no, I know. I know. It was about Hillsong and the debates. I know. I know. And it all is, this like weird stuff. We need stuff. to do a whole episode on it. But well, actually, we were we ended up using it for the class because I wanted to use it for the class. Anyway, it was disastrous. It was kind of a worst case scenario. So then I had to send out like a. It wasn't worst case scenario. Well, I feel totally I felt really bad. So now you've seen my most grovelly. It was just. Know, feel bad self so yeah i think it i kind of over apologize it was just a mix-up of links yeah how about you what do you do when you've like done something well wrong? you know i think it's um oh man i feel like i do wrong so so often like <laughs> i think one of the hardest things is when i do wrong by my kids like to uh, have to apologize to my yeah, own children actually, yeah, i, I kind of feel like i apologize to them but then i like add something like but you know but i'm your parent and actually i really don't have to apologize to you so but but that's <laughs> wrong too and then i have to apologize you know oh that's, I think, the kids make it the worst right because then you're kind of like how are they going to remember this when they're older like, now I, I have an ulterior motive for okay, asking okay. this question but um let's let's first read the script <laughs> this is weird religion a podcast for people who know religion is weird but love it anyway i'm brian doak i'm a biblical scholar professor author and i great and uh, uh, and i uh, and my grade as a father overseeing my children's at-home online school this year is f minus oh i'm leah payne i'm a historian author professor and my extroverted quarantine self now deliberately loads groceries slowly so that i can make conversation with cashiers and unstarve my soul that sounds horrible <laughs> today we're talking about the hit tlc show 90 day fiance how real is reality and is this a good way to get engaged maybe maybe not but it is the best we will get through this join us join us I, I want to know live on tape what how you are going to make it up to me and do right by me for making me watch 90 day Fiance, <laughs> which is actually offensive <laughs> and one of the most uncomfortable experiences that I've experienced recently except for the debate last night oh, which was gosh. actually even worse that was the worst thing way ever. more painful it like br- it like br- there's like a part of every American soul that's like kind of like, last it's kind of like it's kind of like no matter whether you're patriotic or not, there's a part of your soul that's like red, white, and blue. You're an American. And that part of my soul <laughs> just broke. Like it just broke. Actually, I know we can't go into this because we'd, we'd never stop talking about it. But yeah. I, yeah, I know. I felt the same way. It was actually disturbing on five million levels. <laughs> and so I, yeah, so I actually was thinking about today because we had on the schedule today to talk about 90 Day Fiance. And I was like, are we, you know, avoiding something? But, you know, listeners, 
I actually write a lot about politics and American religion, and it feels kind of good to be talking about something that is not directly related to very important things yes. that need to be talked no, about. It's not related really to anything. Um, I mean, it's indirectly related. I'm going to bring it I, up later. I, I, think. I would call it the second most painful viewing experience of my life. Really? Like, I was watching that bad? I was watching it with Susan, my wife. Wait, explain. I was yeah. just, cr- it's just, cr- okay. <laughs> Wait, we got to tell this, the listeners, <sighs> if you don't know what it is, can I intro it? it t- talk about what okay. this uh, strange abomination of a show okay. is Okay, I have a text chain of a bunch of women <laughs> religion scholars, and we, you know, we've known each other for like 10 years. We text about all kinds of things going on in our lives, and one of my friends, during like the height of the quarantine, when it was just like super miserable, mm-hmm. randomly mentioned that they were watching 90 Day Fiance. So kind of like stuck in my brain, like maybe I should do this. Then I had a low point and I was just, it was actually during the fires here in Portland uh-huh. and it was just like kind of overwhelming and I'd packed a go bag and I was just like, the world is just, it's like, you know, why, where are we going and why are we in this handbasket? You know, it just felt so hellish. And then, so then I was like, I'm going to watch 90 Day Fiance. And then I was hooked. For the first time you watched it For the first time, yeah. And it was just kind of like the antidote. What is the show? Explain the show. 90 Day Fiance is about, it's a story of a particular classification of uh, visa to come to the U.S. Was it K9, I think, visa? Like a K9 unit? Maybe I'm mixing. (laughs) There's a K involved in it. There's a particular kind of visa for people who have decided that they want to get married and um, so you can come and visit the U.S. It's a K-1. K-1 visa. K-1 visa. Yeah, okay. Or is it K-3? I just looked it I up. I don't know. I, I see K-1, know. I see K-3, There's but I, a K s- I see more K-1 visa. Okay. Yeah. So um, you can come to the U.S. and stay if you get married within 90 days. So the premise oh. of the show is we're going to show you all these people. And it's on TLC, and I'll say this about TLC. TLC kind of tends to be the less glam version of the reality shows. Like. Oh, really? In my mind, they don't do Real Housewives. What I don't are their think. shows like what I'm looking they at? They used a list. to do like a thing called a dating story, a baby story, a wedding. Sweet story. Home Sex Tuplets. Yeah, they're they're kind of like Big the World, m- mild Pillow Talk. Yeah, they don't take it like they're not uh, glam. The reason why I said they're not glam is they they tend not to have my feet are killing me. Like the glam, yeah, like that's just not a glam. Doctor Pimple thing. Popper. Doctor, she yeah, I think she is like a plastic surgeon or something okay, like that, okay. or or a, a esthetician or something. Anyway, so TLC is kind of like the less, um, they're not really over the top with their storytelling. So these are what I'm. The reason why I say this is the people are like normal looking people. On ninety day fiance. On ninety day fiance. Yeah, they're, they're not they're not people. models by any means. No. Although the although I will say something about the way the men look and the women look. There's Let's, some discrepancies. There's some discrepancies. Let's get to that later. Yeah. Let's yeah. bring that up later. Yeah, so the idea is, what? who are the kind of people who say they're going to do this? It's a surprisingly, like, there, there's not just one kind of person mm. who does. And and you get sucked into this. Many of these couples meet online in semi-normal ways and have, yeah. in fact, spent time together in their respective... One guy's like an engineer who works in a different con- right. country So you meet someone bit. in another country, yeah. but then it's like they've got to come and they really... When they arrive, it's 90 days and they got they have to get married. Otherwise, the woman is going to have to go home. And the stereotype, I think, is like, well, there's one um, couple who people say, like, is this a mail order bride, which is a reference to a much like a, a different uh, an older practice mm-hmm. of like literally mailing off and finding yourself a bride. Judy Garland Ooh. was in a movie about that. Yep. But um, anyway, so like there are some people who conform to that stereotype, but then there are some others and there's an interesting religion angle that I wanted to talk oh, to you about. It, OK, so. 
the religion angle in in season one, it comes up all the time already in the pilot. Yes. Right. Because yes. right away we're introduced to a Mormon gentleman. Yes, an LDS or Latter Day Saint. L- LDS, couple. LDS couple. That, so mm-hmm. they both are. And yes. some of it is about their LDS doctrine around sex before marriage. Yes, yes. Some of it is about <laughs> just like you get the sense, although they don't quite say it right away, that he's on his mission when they meet. He totally was. Now, I looked it up afterward. I went on a deep dive. Now they they are. I will say that they're a cute-ish couple. <laughs> Uh, See, it's hard because it's like, you know, you have your religion scholar brain where you're trying to withhold judgment the whole time. Right. But then they're like asking you to make judgments. Right. Um, so you're watching this. These couples. Right. Order their lives. And I, I, I don't know why. Like, I just was hooked in it. Maybe it was the pandemic. Maybe mm-hmm. I just was like fascinated by this idea of like distance relationships mm-hmm. and like how the relationship changes when they're right. face to face and how religion plays into okay. it. So there's that one. Then there's yeah. the guy. There's also religion comes up again because there's a guy from um, Oklahoma. Yes. Who's living yes. with his parents. Uh, and and, and <laughs> yeah, they're old fashioned crew. Th- so and they have this 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 woman from Brazil and he, his family is like this Christian family who stands up and like holds ha- holds hands to pray before dinner, and then they cut to like shots of her being like saying that she's doesn't really is not a religious person, and you're just like, oh great, the old reality TV show set up where we're headed for disaster. Oh, okay. Chaos ensues. But you know what I liked, what I found to be interesting about this show, and I want to talk about the angle of like how these women are othered and mm. exoticized, mm-hmm. I think, because the show does a lot of that. Yes. But one of the th- surprising things to me was how, I don't know, I, that couple that you're talking about, I think I think they might make it, those two crazy kids. The the Mormons? Or the LDS couple? The, well, or the, yeah, um, the, them uh, too maybe, but uh, for different reasons. But the couple from Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah, like you, the oh. whole time, like as the show goes on, you're like, I think, well, okay, we've covered The Bachelor. I'm going to say it. I think they might be in it for the right reasons. <laughs> you know? I, I Okay. I did not. I am not as vet, as much of a veteran watcher as you. Yeah. It seemed to me like she was really in this for like a kind of adventure. And, uh, you know, it, they seem to have the most kind of, they seem the most conflict prone right away. Now, the other couple that they were tracking was um, a guy who's from Cleveland. Uh-huh. The computer, like the software engineer guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's Aziz, I think, or Aziza was his, his yeah. potential. That one seemed the most stereotypical, like what you think you're going to see. They were the, I liked her the most oh, out of everybody. Oh, my heart. And do you know why I liked her? Yeah. Do you know why? Was Aziza why? her me. name? Yes. Okay. I flagged Aziza. I was like, oh, take note to bring up the one thing I did like about the show. Okay. I liked Aziza because they were asking the question, like the narrator's like, but is getting married under these difficult circumstances really the right thing to do? Or no, maybe it was his friends. Okay, there's an awkward scene where yes. Cleveland guy has yes. to go to his friends. Mike. And it's, and it's Mike. so awkward because it's clearly set up for the camera. And the friends are like, so do you think this is a good idea? You uh-huh. barely know her. And he's like 10 years older than her. Oh, yeah. d- okay, let's come She's back to like those She's like 21. Dynamics. Super weird. Kind yeah. of awkward. This and this and I is liked her a lot, too. You also see the imbat, like the physical, the physical attractiveness. Are they equally yoked no, physically? No, 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 no. <laughs> Let's no. just say, okay, maybe they're not. No. So, so Aziza, 
but they after saying like okay you shouldn't get married under hard circumstances like this clearly both people like she was experiencing a hardship she tried she had tried to get a visa as a student she couldn't he was like a guy who's getting a little bit older and he's kind of like a stereotypical lonely dude gamer gamer kind of guy and so they flashed to her though and she said something that i found very winning what she said well you know and i can't i can't i can't do her accent or how she was like but like she's basically said look People sometimes come together in hard circumstances. Isn't that the whole point of like a relationship is you bond with someone in a hard time? And I was like, yeah, that kind of is like, that's kind of true. And I don't see that as a reason not to get married or be with someone just because you connected because in a hard circumstance, that's the exact reason for bonding. That's real. She was one of my favorite characters too. And I I wanted us to have a conversation a little bit about like the lens through which we are supposed to view the non-American people. Mm-hmm. So that was a really interesting, like they sort of set up these women. This is a production choice, obviously. Yeah. They set up these women to think, to look, I think, exotic, right? Mm. Like they kind of portray like the music cues and right. everything. Like yes. there's this sort of like... Right. Like the the Americans are set up to look like down home, and right. then you get this idea that these women, right. and then she was one of my favorites too because she was so private, like as a person, yes. like she's very guarded. You made never, her suspicious though. It made you think maybe she's taking him for a ride. Maybe she's gonna just ditch him the minute they get married. Well, one of the which striking she, which scenes, which she doesn't though, right? Like that. Yeah. Well, one of the striking scenes I thought was between her prospective mother-in-law and her. Oh. There's this time where they all go do like a girls' bachelorette party. <laughs> And the mother-in-law, and I'm sure this was stage two, basically is like, why couldn't you have just like found somebody else or found basic? I, I can't remember what it is. And she looks like you, you see a little bit of her pain. And then there's a moment where right before her wedding day, her mom can't be there. And she's so sad about it. Oh. And I, I found her to be so striking too, because she was kind of like, you're, I, I felt like she was sort of telling the producers, I'm not going to give you my soul. Like, I'm not mm. going to tell you what's going on. And I found her to be like super practical and commonsensical as well. To me, it just seemed like a, I want to throw this back at you. Like, didn't it seem to kind of make, like, if if we look at these relationships and see, I don't know who's still together or who's not, like, are, is our love match version any more like, like the kind of traditional American thing where you like, date someone for a while maybe you live together and then you get married like does that have a better average of succeeding than some of these folks i i honestly have a soft spot in my heart for the idea of an arranged marriage or a 90-day fiance situation same i I don't know i just do i just think i have just seen in my own life and maybe it's you know you could say oh well you know you can talk like that you've been married for you know 18 years blah 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 talk all you want it's not that easy but i just think to myself okay i read a scientific ish study one time that said like some like romance researcher had basically said based on statistical odds if you date and i forgot what the number is it's like two or three people as an adult you should marry the next person that you date oh really why sight unseen why that that you like at all why because because basically what you can show is that you're not any more likely to find someone who's better than that person at that point because once you've dated two or three people you have a sense for what actually you're into and what you care about and the next person you feel like you really do like you might as well go for it because the odds are good that your instinct is correct 
And, you know, in other words, I'm confirming what you're saying that the odds, the issue of the odds being in your favor, if you just do this like super careful route. Yeah. Granted, mistakes can happen if you're not careful, but it's like you can only be careful up to a certain point, I think, in these kinds of things. And then at some point, just like mystery and commitment take over. And that rules the day, do you think? Well, here's the thing. I think I I actually, it's funny because I sort of agree with you, but from a non-mystery, like from a really practical standpoint, mm. like a lot of these folks, I so I remember like I had a, you know, we've talked about this on Weird Religion before. I married my college sweetheart. I know you did too. And so like there's kind of like a, a, a format for that that sure. is is understandable, easily digestible. Tale as old as time. Lots of people do that, <laughs> Song right? Song as old as yeah. time. Yeah, and um, I remember when I was talking with my sister when she was, um, she was talking about just like dating as a full-grown adult, like a professional woman, mm-hmm. and she was just like, it is a bloodbath up there. <laughs> and And when she met the person who she ended up marrying, she texted me and she was like, it's like we're both emotionally available people who met each other. It's the most extraordinary thing. And they have since gone on to build a really wonderful life together. Um, but I was so struck by like the kind of what I think when I reflect now on my, you know, like 19, 20 year old self, mm-hmm. I see that I was naive about a lot of things and sort and maybe immature about oh, what yeah. I thought it would actually take oh, of course to make a long-term relationship work. our so, brains weren't even developed at that age right so sometimes I think that like these these people I don't know they're and I mean you know like, you have to ask yourself like who agrees to be filmed on a show like this well that was right? a very fascinating <laughs> okay do you know what yeah. do, do you know what this made me think of on biblical terms in terms of the Hebrew Bible oh yeah was please the, the ancestors the matriarchs and the patriarchs ah Yes, yes, Isn't yes. this how they all get married? These marriage stories totally. are like 90 day fiance type stories. Jacob comes to a place. He meets him and Rachel immediately. He like kisses her and he's like, we're, we're married. This is happening. And then he has to ends up working seven years through an infamous trick. And then he marries two women. And it's just like, you know, I don't think you could ask the question. You could read the book of Genesis, which, you know, whether you're a religious person or not, Genesis is just good reading, my friends. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's so you read so the book much. of Genesis and rated you ask R, yourself, I think you could ask yourself, like, were these marriages good marriages? Like, or were these engagements good engagements? Were they for, for the right reasons to use the bachelor, bachelor <laughs> language? And I think in a way it's like it's hard to judge them because they live in this inevitable kind of world. Like there's almost a kind of determinism about it. Maybe that's the way Genesis kind of has you know, the will of God plodding forward through the lives of these people. But I thought to myself, I think to myself, sometimes I'm like, there are aspects of those marriages that seem sexist, violent, even at points, even racist at points, very difficult to interpret from a perspective today. However, I also look at them with a kind of like, a kind of like, um, a kind of admiration that people, that marriages are also about communities. Marriages are also about commitments that you make that you stick by and you don't even really know all the facts, which is why someone like Camus and other existentialists would say this is why life is absurd, right? It's absurd because you have to make decisions and you don't know what the heck you're talking about, which is exactly what 90 Day Fiance is kind of about. It's about making this decision and you're looking at these people and you're like, they don't know each other. and You can tell they don't know each other and it's sad and it's cringeworthy and that's why I was cringing partly. <laughs> See, okay, there are a lot of different, okay, I have a lot of different responses to that. Um, And one of them, I want to hone in on the couple um, from um, Alan and Kirlium. 
Uh, oh, yeah. From They're the, the LDS the, couple. The Latter-day Saints couple. Alan and Kirlian, yes. Because um, what I thought, okay, and it's related to your discussion of the biblical stuff, mm-hmm. um, which is like Latter-day Saints, many American evangelicals, they have in their minds biblical modes and models, right? That they're trying to live out in a public way. Totally. And I actually didn't think it was that surprising at all that we had someone from the Latter-day Saint tradition because something that, you know, Latter-day Saints and other um, um, American Christians have this kind of thing in their minds about how they want to be a public witness. So I can imagine Mm. how this seemed like a good idea because it's not, they're both um, Latter-day Saints. Mm -hmm. And I was just really interested in how, like, the pop modes of what constitutes a a relationship, how um, different what Latter-day Saints are doing. And we could talk about evangelicals in this way because there's another season that also has, I mean, like, Latter-day Saints and evangelicals don't have all the same stuff going on. Of course, there's big differences, too. But I was like, oh, there's this way of talking and imagining how they're constituting their household that is like very different from a rom-com. So I was interested in how they were trying to tell the story. Right. And like, you know, the idea for them who their, their identity as practitioners of um, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints saints is like very important to them. Right. It's like front and center. No, it's front and center. And they made it front and center. And she, Kirliam comes from a very small town. Tiny, tiny town. Like a little rural place. I actually felt sadness like when she was crying, when she was leaving her parents. Oh. I'm like, honey, don't do this. You're making a mistake. Right? Stay with your, stay in your small town. Do not leave your family. And I guess I was just wondering, like, what's her motivation? Like, is she, like, what, like, like is this the kind of thing, like, she wants to transcend the small town? Is it the kind of thing where, like, the religious connection was so strong? Was she manipulated by him or in some way? Or was this just, like... You get this sense of like this fraught background, to use Eric Auerbach's term in this fancy Mm -hmm. essay, the fraught background of just the unknown questions of like, you don't really know the answers through the show. They they show you what they want to show you to get the exoticized, as you put it, Mm -hmm. perspective. And, And they show you the imbalance. It's almost like it's like typical like physicality of like a sitcom where there's like kind of the dumpy looking beer belly male and then like kind of like the attractive kind of wife. She's. Like according to traditional Western standards, she is stunning. Well, don't stunning. they don't they recruit her to be like a model? Yeah, and then he gets like jealous and like. Uh huh. Okay, uh-huh. here's another thing I hate about this though. This happened with Oklahoma guy and Pau. Paola? Yeah, yeah. I think her name she's is from Colombia. They call her Pau, but I yeah. think it was Paula or something. Yeah, yeah. She's from um, Brazil, I think. No, she's from Colombia. Colombia. She's okay. Colombia, and she's like so charismatic. So she's so charismatic. She needs her own show. She like, needs her. Need she'll her get her own show. Own show. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like. There were moments like at the dinner, the family dinner with the Oklahoma family with the prayer. Uh-huh. Here's what I hate about these kind of shows. And by the way, fans, I hate this about all reality TV. And it's <laughs> it's this. You could tell they were manipulating the video in a way. Like they were sure. taking shots of people's faces to show as response faces to things. And you could almost sense that they were doctoring the film so that they had people making wincing and stuff when they weren't really. And yeah, it's just, it just yeah. had, it had the ring of like total fakeness. I could tell that the dinner was awkward. Okay. We've all been part of an awkward dinner. Have we not? Right. But like to see, I just, those of you who are fans of reality TV, I just don't know how you endure this, how you explain it, how you explain its value. This is just pure fakery. And I understand if you do a fictional story, it's fakery too, right? You're making it up. Uh-huh, you're acting. Uh-huh. But 
the reality TV, the TLC world, it has a pre. I think this is what's confusing to me is it has a pretense. It's like a platonic. I'm like Plato now. <laughs> yes, I'm worried yes. about the confusion between the real and the fake. Okay. And I hated the w- I hate I hated the way they blurred those lines I felt in the show. So that's what why I was super excited to talk with you about this because there's like this this form. There are these archetypes mm-hmm. that American ideas about romance and love and marriage include and these people by my way of thinking mm-hmm. sit outside of that. All of them do for different kinds of reasons. Yeah. Like it may be like um aziza who i'm i think it's funny that both of us were really really found her to be appealing it may be like listen i want to live in the states and i'm gonna do whatever i need to get do to get there and he's a nice guy and we'll make a life together sure you know like that just sounds that that violates the whole thing about like is like american ideas about romance and choice and blah 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 but i'm like well i as you say like maybe they're figuring out something that that works together um the the latter-day saints couple like what they don't mention is that they did meet when he was on his i went down a rabbit hole with this they did meet when he <laughs> was on his mission but she was like 12 at the time 10 or 12 at the time and then he came back years later and they reconnected that is not something that sits in the traditional rom-com because like tr- usually the rom-com involves peers right or at least uh like you're supposed to think of them as peers but usually like the man is like super way a lot older like george clooney was somebody who's like 20 years younger but that's a whole other thing but they're the same age in the movie yeah like you're supposed to kind of imagine them in that way and so what that's what i thought was super interesting was like these are real people who they're trying to make conform to this Mm -hmm. this like archetype that in many ways the people are embodying like a biblical form of marriage maybe yeah that's just different definitely that form of like you know just or ancient i guess yeah very very ancient traditional it almost seems arranged in a way and the reality tv has a kind of determinism about it like in terms of like who the villain is going to be or what's going to happen although i think you're right that this show does kind of break up some of those narratives a little bit what's your what's what's your take uh, on this this stereotype you see it in commercials you see yeah. it in sitcoms and you see it of the attractive woman and the not attractive guy why why, uh, is, why is that a thing oh god do you know what i mean though like in a commercial yeah, yeah, you'll yeah, see yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. A, a like a television commercial it'll be like some guy and he's i mean maybe my my sensor is off for the guy but i look at the guy and i'm like no. what are they trying to show like I, I like what is that about just generally yeah like why do that like isn't like won't they think people see that like and isn't that a kind of like sexism in a way? Cause it's like suggesting maybe like all that women care about is like in the show is like finding like any dude at all to come to America. And is it about like these guys are just enamored with these, you know, exotic foreign women who are beautiful and so on. Like, yeah, well, I don't, okay. What are we supposed to think? Wait, why do they do it? Wait, I forgot the question. Just like, <laughs> is this okay? Is this okay? I guess it, it, it's a question of do you buy into the fact that is this a pattern that you see in media do you see it on commercials yeah 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 yeah. do you see it on sitcoms and do you see it on the show where it's like you can have a a, a married couple and it's like the woman is going to be very attractive yeah but um, the man is going to be notably less attractive than the woman okay in in his category like let's say she's a nine out of ten he's going to be like a six out of ten this is like how do they get like isn't that a kind of a sexist pattern do you think okay so i think that um 
the show that popped into my head when you were talking about it that was like King of Queens, I think. Oh, good one. You yes, know exactly. Is it? It's like he's Sorry, funny Kevin and he's, James. he's funny and he's lovable, but he's like, but is she's like, funny? she's more attractive in her class than he is in his class. Well, so it's like, what's going on? There? I actually think it's a really interesting meditation on beauty as currency for women. Oh, like the idea that a a particular kind of beauty standard, mm-hmm. in some ways, like is its own has its own cash value mm-hmm. but then men have a different cash value system oh, yeah so like what's the, what's the male cash value system and and i do definitely think that it's sexist and yeah. but i'm always yeah, yeah. interested in how we're supposed to like understand all of that stuff right. like that we're supposed to intuit somehow right. so i think that from like the the pop culture standard of that is that men if they have money or power mm-hmm. or like, okay, look at um, the current president of the United States. Like he does not conform to traditional standards of um, like Western norms about male beauty. He does not conform to any of them. What an incredibly polite <laughs> statement. <laughs> and yet his spouse is someone who has very traditional like like yeah. um Symmet- what do they call she it she has a symmetrical face probably and an ideal body yeah and, yeah you know, and all, all that. that kind of stuff and so i think what he he overtly says like i'm rich enough to have this kind of hot of right, a wife or right, whatever right. like that's kind of his general orientation so i think that there's yeah i think that's part of it like there's this idea mm-hmm. but you know one of the questions that i had for you is that like the assumption is that the United States is a place that people want to come to. Mm-hmm. And I was actually, when I was watching it, I was having this weird moment because oh, I had just done a conference with a right. bunch of Canadian scholars mm-hmm. and they were expressing like serious pity for me where, I, where I'm living mm-hmm. in the U.S. And like, they're friends of mine. They were right, like, for right. the first time ever, they've just been like, are you okay? We feel really <laughs> bad for you there. And I was like, wow, could, does this show like lose some of its significance? Because just what you said, the idea of like the beautiful woman, like what's the cash value of it? They imply it's coming to the U.S. Yeah, no, I think that that has to be the... Okay, I saw there was an art exhibit that we had in, our, in one of our galleries. It was controversial because yeah. it had really strong language and political statements and so on. But it was it was it drew a big crowd at our university. People wanted to come and look at it and yeah. pass their opinions on it. And um, one of the art pieces in the exhibit, it showed a fa- it clearly was th- the scenery was clearly that of the northern Mexican desert. Mm. And there were some people. I think it was true by their by their dress and by other cues in the image that they were potentially immigrants mm-hmm. that were crossing that desert and looking toward America. And then on the horizon, there were just like the artist had drawn like a bunch of gleaming McDonald's signs. Oh, wow. And I for some reason, that one struck me because it made me think because in other words, I guess. So the artistic comment there, one comment was like, you've got people who are trying to escape violence maybe in their homelands in, in Mexico or in South America. And they, they are coming to America because America is perceived as, and probably does offer many better prospects. But it made me think seeing the McDonald's sign, it like suddenly threw this thing off where I'm like, wait, what are they coming into? Like, what are we inviting people into? No matter what you think about immigration or whatever. It's like, are we like, is America a destination that you want to be at? I guess for some people it probably is, but you do start to wonder like, like we're, we've become like the pity of the world with the fires, yeah. with the virus, with the president, all this stuff like this, has, yes. whether rightly or wrongly or for whatever reason, like that's it does raise the question of like, do people want to come here? 
Yeah, I thought I, I had just a weird moment because you and I are both children of the 80s where we mm. were sort of raised, correct me if I'm wrong, raised to think of ourselves as constituting this like beacon of democracy. Yeah, yeah. Hope for the world. Rocky. Hello. Rocky, right? Right. Yeah. And how different the story is now abroad. Now, I mean, it, that this is not new or anything because no, I actually no. remember traveling to the UK um, during the Obama administration and several people like voluntarily told me people who I had never met before, by the way, voluntarily <laughs> told me how terrible <laughs> the U S was They volunteered that information. They were like you, a little yeah. bit more hopeful because of Obama and they were like good. And they actually said, you know, like good thing you're traveling, you know, now and not before. And now I'm like, what's it like now? You know? Um, so yeah, I actually was really, I thought I had this weird moment. I'm like, well, this show makes sense in like five years. I know. Right. I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait five years to see. Do a recap. Remind me in five years. Google remind me in five years. (laughs) Hey, thanks for listening. Weirdos. Why did you say it so derisively? Uh, it's a compliment. (laughs) It is for extras on subjects covered in this episode and other related jokes and miscellany. Do not forget to follow us on the socials and visit our website, weirdreligion.com. This episode was produced by Leanne Drain and Ryan Smoke at our new studio space, The Bunker. Our theme music is by Cassie Blum and our artwork is by John Williams. A special shout out to the Wabash Center for Teaching and Learning in Theology and Religion for their support for these new episodes. Remember when you podcast, podcast with us. Bye.